Okay, if you have your Bibles, please uh, keep them open. We're going to be looking at God's Word tonight as we look at 1 Chronicles. Well, a few years back, I was watching some TV and there was a comedy show on. And in the comedy show, the people in the comedy show were at church. And what was being read was a genealogy. And it was going this name and that name and that name and that name. And, and I, I guess what they were trying to say in the TV show was, you know, like what's going on here? You know, this doesn't make sense to me with all these names. This is, this is what church is like when you go there. Genealogies uh, can be hard, can't they? They can be difficult names, just difficult to say. It can be difficult to concentrate throughout their readings. And I guess for us as Christians, we know that it's God's word. And so, you know, in your Bible reading at home, you go, this is God's word. I've got to read these names. I've at least got to have a go because it's part of my Bible reading. I just can't skip it. But, you know, you may not be sure what to do with them or how to apply it. If you have children, is this part of the Bible that you would read with your children after dinner? Sit down and have this as the Bible reading for the night. What would you say to your children? One of the things I've liked to do with my children, they've almost all grown up and left home now, but one of the things I like to do with my children was uh, to be able to give them one or two sentence, uh, a one or two sentence summary for any book of the Bible. So when they were reading Leviticus, I would talk about, you know, these are the rules that God had for how he was going to live with a sinful people. This is what had to happen for a holy God to live with a sinful people. So I'd give them a sentence like that so they could go and read Leviticus and understand it. You know, what do you do with, with Chronicles? What do you do with a list like this? How do you teach it at Sunday school? Maybe you're not a Christian here tonight. Maybe someone's invited you along and uh, you've come to church to, hear, to see what Christians do and you've just had that, those names read out and you're going, okay, that, that's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I want to say there's actually a reason and a purpose for genealogies. Imagine, maybe someone is here, but imagine if you're an Australian Aborigine, an Australian Aborigine, then your genealogy is actually really important, isn't it? Your genealogy is really, really important if you're an Australian Aborigine. It gives you a special connection to the land. A special connection to the land, it gives you a, a different legal status to everyone else. And there are financial implications in your genealogy. So genealogies, they're not just random things. They're actually significant even for us today. And there, are, there is a reason and a purpose for the genealogies in the Bible, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. Well, let's think about the context of the book of Chronicles. So please turn with me to chapter 3, verse 17. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how far up the genealogies go. So chapter 3, verse 17. And what you'll see here is, let me just read to you verses uh, 17 to 19. The descendants of Jehoiachin, the captive... Uh, Shealtiel, his son, uh, Malkiram, Padiah, Shenazah, 
Jekenmaya, Hoshemaya, and Nidabiah. I'm just going to finish there. Oh, and the sons of Pediah, Zerubbabel, and Shimei. Now, why is that important? Well, you notice that Jehoiachin is the captive. And so this is talking about a period in the nation of Israel where the nation of Israel was taken captive into, Bab into Babylon. The Babylonians came, conquered Jerusalem, destroyed the, the temple in Jerusalem, and took them captive. And God's people were brought under God's judgment. So that's who that man is. But you'll notice it continues after him to Zerubbabel. Now, Zerubbabel is the man who comes back to the land of Israel. The Israelites were taken out of the land of Israel into Babylon under God's judgment, but then they're brought back. And you keep following their names. And I'm not going to go through all of them now. It goes right up to the end of the chapter. And there's about another six or so generations. So this genealogy goes for a long time after the return back to the promised land. So the Jews have come under God's judgment, but now they're back in the promised land, and it's maybe... 160, maybe even 200 years that this genealogy takes us into the future of being, sorry, it takes them back after the, the exile. Now, for them, they've come back to the land, they've rebuilt the temple, they've, they've built up the wall, but really they're a shattered people. This is the context here. They've been under the judgment of God. They've come back and they're a shattered people back in their land. They were God's people, but they've been brought under God's judgment. And they want to know, what, what does the future hold for us? Now, maybe this is a question that you have yourself. What does the future hold for you? Maybe you've been shattered in, in the world. You've had difficulties. We all have difficulties and suffering in life. That's what, the, the, that's what this book is written to. It's written to people who are shattered and are wondering what future they have. And it's helpful for me also to point out that in the Jewish Bible, so if you were to go to the synagogue in town, um, in their Bible, the book of Chronicles is actually the last book of the Old Testament. They arrange their books slightly differently to Christians. We've We've done it uh, sort of chronologically, according to the stories, but the Jews have done it uh, theologically and in terms of uh, when it was written. And Chronicles is actually most likely the last book that God gave his people before the coming of Jesus. So these are the last words that God gives before the coming of Jesus. Okay, well, let's see what they are. What is it that God says to a shattered people? For his last words to them. Let's come back to chapter 1. Verse 1. Adam. Adam, that's the first word. He takes you right back to the beginning. Through this prophet, God says to his people, let's go right back to the beginning. This is what you need to know. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. And so we see here a list of names beginning with Adam. 
Now, when you go back to Adam, you go back to the first man. You go back to God's plans and purposes for this world. God made us, God made you in his image. And God's plan was that you would dwell with him forever, that you would have the tree of life, that you would have God's life and you would dwell with God. This is, this is what it means to say Adam. It means God's original plan and purpose. And this is what Israel is reminded of as they're a shattered people. That God's plan and purpose is for humanity to be with God. It follows the line as you go through this genealogy. It doesn't follow it through Cain, who was the murderer. It follows it through Seth, through the godly line. And if you look at verse 13, you'll see they're not simply names. They're not simply names. Look at verse 13. Canaan was the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and of the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, Girgashites, Hivites, Archites, Sinites, uh, Arv Arvidites, Semorites, and Hamathites. That is, this is not just a list of names. This is a list of nations. Right? It's a list of nations. You see, from one man, God made every nation of men. And he appointed the places where they would dwell that perhaps they would reach out for him. Right? This is what this genealogy is telling the nation of Israel. Israel is shattered and they're told all the nations of the world have come from this one man, Adam. All the nations around you, Israel, have come from, from, uh, from Adam. And God has placed them there. But as we read these, as we, as we look at these stories and we look at the nations, we see that the nations haven't sought after God. The nations have actually turned their backs on God. We've made idols of God. We've given ourselves over to debauchery. We've given, our over, given ourselves over to wickedness. And so the, the nations of the world are, uh, are sent out, but we've all sinned against God. And this is what Israel needs to know. Now that they're back in the land, that the nations around them have been made by God, but the world is a sinful world. The world's a sinful world. That's what Israel needs to know. That's what this first genealogy tells us. Now it moves on from there to focus in on a man called Abraham. So come with me to, um, let me just open this page here. You'll see this in verse 20, uh, 27. It finishes with Abram. But it, it expands his name and says his name's Abraham. And then it moves on to Abraham. The sons of Abraham are Isaac and Ishmael. Now, there's something we need to know about Abraham. And that is that in this sinful world of all these nations that have turned their backs on God, God spoke to Abraham and made a promise. Let me just read to you from Genesis chapter 12, where we can read what this promise was that God made to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God made this world with Adam to, for a blessing for us. But now it's a sinful world. It's a world not of God's blessing like that. 
But God spoke to Abraham amongst the nations of the world and said, I'm going to make you into a nation, Abraham. I'm going to give you a land. And through you, my blessing is going to come to this world. And so the genealogy here takes a turn. We've been looking at all the nations of the world. We're now going to look at this man, Abraham, and see particularly how God worked in him. Now, what do we see when we read Abraham's genealogy? Well, let's go back to, oh, here we are, chapter 1. We begin with the descendants of Hagar. And these are the, the descendants of Ishmael. And you may remember uh, that Abraham's first son is a man named Ishmael. And we get all of his sons here. And they're all listed out for us. But he also had many sons through this woman, uh, Keturah. And so uh, Keturah was his concubine, and after his wives had died, he had, uh, he had all these children. You can see all their names here. And again, the, these just aren't individuals. They become tribes. And you, you can actually still find these tribes by those names uh, in the Middle East today. And then, of course, it moves on to his, his, uh, his son through Sarah, whose name was Isaac. And then with Isaac... We're told about Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. And so what we see here is that God's promise to Abraham was fulfilled. God promised Abraham that he would become a mighty nation. And here are the descendants of Abraham, all the descendants of Ishmael, all the descendants of Keturah, the descendants of Isaac and, and, and Esau. And as you follow through um, the, the, these we're meant to remember their stories. So with Ishmael and Isaac, uh, you remember that Ishmael was born first, but God chose Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. And even though Abraham wanted his son uh, Ishmael to be blessed by God, he was blessed and became a nation. But the promise that God had made went to Isaac, not to Ishmael. We saw the same thing with Esau and Israel. So um, Isaac had two children, Esau and Jacob. Um, Jacob changes his name to Israel later on. But Isaac has two children and the firstborn is Esau and he is blessed by God. When you read uh, from verse 43 onwards, he has all these kingdoms that come from him. So he's blessed. But God's promise goes to the secondborn. God chooses not the firstborn, the human choice. God makes his own choice and he chooses Jacob. And you see here God's sovereign choice. We see that what's happening with Abraham's descendants is that not all of them are automatically going to be God's blessing to the world. They'll be blessed by God, but not all of them are going to be how God is going to bless the nations. So Ishmael and Isaac, Isaac is chosen. Jacob and Esau, Jacob is chosen. And that's one of the things we've got to accept when we come to a sovereign God, when we come to a God who has made us and who holds our life in our hands, that he chooses for us, that God makes his sovereign choice about what he will do with this world, about what he will do with your life, about who will be his source of blessing for this world. God chooses. 
It's not up for us to say, well, I'm going to have God's blessing this way or that way. No, no. We have to go to where God says he has spoken, where he has said he will speak to this world and bless this world. And it's Israel who inherits this blessing that God gives to Abraham. Now, we see this in chapter 16 of uh, 1 Chronicles. Chapter 16. Let me just read to you. 16, verse 17. It says, he... Uh, he confirmed, so God confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. So we see here that the nation of Israel are the ones who are going to bring the promise of Abraham, the promise of God's blessing to this world. And Israel is now back in the land. They were under God's judgment. They were banished from the land because of their sinfulness to Babylon. But now they've come back. And so when we see God's choice through Abraham to, and that how God chose out of all the sons of Abraham, the nation of Israel, and then he gave Israel the land, we see that Chronicles is saying to the Jews, you are back where you belong. You are back where you belong. Now, for the Jews now, the, the, sorry, for the genealogies, the, geneal the genealogies now change to really focus on the sons of Israel. And uh, I'm sure that when you were, when you were having, listening to the genealogies being read, some of them you're going, oh, I don't really know about those names. But when it got to Jacob's sons and it was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, you know, all of a sudden you go, oh, I know those names. I could, I could read that part of the Bible at church. That'd be okay. And so as we read through this, what we see, and um, I'll let you just sort of scan through, but it talks about, um, it, it talks about all, the, all these different tribes within Israel. So there's Judah, there's Benjamin, there's Naphtali, there's Manasseh, there's Simeon, there's uh, Issachar. And uh, very often in these descriptions of them, it'll say, and their genealogical records um, were there. And so it means they had their authorised link back to the land. They were authorised to be there. But there's two tribes in particular who were given special treatment. And these are the tribes of Judah and Levi. Now, why is this? Well, it's because someone came from Judah who's very special and someone came from Levi who's very special. And that is the king and the priest. So let me just read to you from 1 Chronicles. It's all in 1 Chronicles again chapter 28 and just have a look at what it means to be of the tribe of Judah and the king of Israel. So 1 Chronicles chapter 28, I'll just get verse 5 here. Um, verse 5, so this is King David who's from the tribe of Judah and he's one of the kings and he's he's. Uh, he's, he's the first, the second main king, and he's going to spell out what it means to be a king in the nation of Israel. Verse 5. He says, Of all my sons, and the Lord has, has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever, 
and he, uh, if he is, and if he is, uns if he carries out my commands. Now, what is it that this shows us? Is that the king of Israel has this special place? Who are they? Well, they're the ones who sit. You notice there in verse five, they sit on the throne of the Lord, and they sit on the throne in the kingdom of the Lord. That is, the nation of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, is no ordinary kingdom. This is the kingdom of God on earth. I don't know if you thought about that. When you're reading the book of Kings, you're reading about the kingdom of God. And who are these kings of Israel who rule? Well, they are... Um, notice how they're spoken about. It says, I, God says, I have chosen him to be... I've chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. So that is the sons of David, they're the sons of God and God is their father. So when you're reading the book of Kings and Chronicles and all that history, you're reading about the kingdom of God and the Messiah King, who God is their father and they are the son of God. And what is this kingdom? Well, it's the kingdom in verse 7 that's going to be the, the everlasting kingdom of God. So this is no ordinary kingdom. These are no ordinary kings. And this is who we see in this genealogy here. When we see the genealogy of Judah, we're being reminded that the kings of Israel come from here. These are the kings of God's kingdom. Now, it moves on to... Levi, and uh, I'll read to you from chapter 6, uh, verse 1, the sons of Levi, and then it goes through all of his names, and from Levi come the priests of Israel. From Levi come the priests of Israel. Now, I want to say to you, you need a priest. You need a priest. Why do you need a priest? Right? Why do you need someone called a priest? Well, you need a priest because God is holy. <laughs> God is a holy God. And because we're sinful, we actually can't come into God's presence. Right? This is what the prophets before Jesus teach us again and again. That it's great that God is our creator. It's great that God blesses us. But if you want to come before God as a sinner, you actually face his judgment. Yes, God blesses this world in giving us life. But things are not right between us and God. Humanity has turned its back on God and we are under the judgment of God. We don't live in God's presence and to come into God's presence means our death. It means that our sins will be fully exposed for what they are and God will strike us dead. That's why you need a priest. Because the priest is the one whom God appoints who represents God to you and you to God. Now, that's what Levi was. Levi was the tribe within Israel that the priests came from, from a particular man called Aaron. They were called the Aaronic priesthood. And they did the work of the temple. And in the temple, people could approach God. A sinful people could approach a holy God. Now, why is all this important here? Well, it's because this is the mission of the nation of Israel. 
This was Israel's mission in a sinful world, in a world where all the nations had turned away from God and turned to idolatry. God made this nation of Israel through Abraham. It was his kingdom on earth. It had his Messiah king ruling. It had his priest serving at the tabernacle. And if you wanted to know God, if you wanted to come to God and worship God, you had to come to this nation. You had to come and listen to this nation. I just want us to spend a, a few moments now realizing just how important the nation of Israel is. So we're going to flick outside of the uh, Chronicles now. Come with me to Psalms, Psalms 147. We're just going to look at four verses really quickly, but it's, it's very important that we do. Psalms, hang on. Psalm 147. Uh, verse 19 and 20, Psalm 147, 19 and 20. Listen to this. God, he has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Right? There is no European country that God spoke to in the way that he spoke to Israel. Right? God did not speak to the Aborigines of Australia in the way that he spoke to Israel. There's something different about the nation of Israel. Come with me to Isaiah 49 verse 3 and have a look at God's uh, promise for what he's going to do in the future with the nation of Israel. Isaiah 49 3. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. And it's actually the word glory. I'm going to display my glory through Israel. That's special, isn't it? Come with me to John chapter 4 verse 22. John chapter 4 verse 22. John chapter 4 verse 22. Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, and he says, You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship, we Jews know, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Come with me to Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. What advantage is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. So I just want to say today, we need to understand that the nation of Israel is a unique nation. It's unique. Its history is unique amongst the nations of the world. They have God's king. The nation of Israel has God's temple. And I don't care what nation you come from, unless you're Jewish, you belong to the nations of the world, the sinful nations of the world that are scattered. Australia is just one of the scattered nations of the world away from God. You see, we can sometimes make a mistake of saying all religions are the same. And people make that mistake. Obviously, people who think all religions are the same obviously haven't learned about those religions. But there's another mistake we can make. And that is we can say all nations are the same. It's just not true. All nations are not the same. God made the nation of Israel and it is distinct. 
Now, for the Jews, they are now back in their land. <laughs> They're now getting their temple going. You, you, you see what the book of Chronicles is saying to them. It's saying, you're back in the land. Your genealogies tie you back in here. The, the mission continues, Israel. You are back in the land. The mission continues to be God's people in God's world. Now, I want to finish up now by, by, uh, by thinking about what is Chronicles and these genealogies, what are they saying to us who are not Jews? Because we really need to hear it first for the Jew. It's saying to them, you're back where you belong. The mission continues. What's it saying to us who aren't Jewish? Well, the first thing I want to say is that when we come to this and we look at these genealogies, we need to remember that God has acted in this world. God has acted. God has made choices. God has made promises. God has spoken to this world. But in order to understand it, we need to know the history of the nation of Israel. And that's why the Old Testament and even the New Testament is really about the history of Israel. <laughs> you know, I love learning English history. Um, I, I love learning the history of all the different nations around me. But there's one history that if you're, not a, if you're not a Christian, there's one history you particularly need to learn. You need to learn the history of Israel. You need to learn how God has spoken and made this nation and worked through this nation. Because this nation is different. This is how God has spoken to the world through the nation of Israel. Jews very often are arrogant of this fact, want to think of themselves as superior. Gentiles, can, uh, the other nations can be envious and hate God's choice. But that is what God has chosen. What else does this genealogy and this history here show us? Well, it shows us that if we want to understand ourselves, we need to go back to Adam as well. If you want to understand who you are, if you want to understand how you fit in this world, you need to go back to Adam. You need to, you need to realise that God made you in his image and that God's plan is that you be with him. See, where is it that you belong? You know, it's not that you belong in Australia or you belong overseas. Or you, you know, where do you belong? You actually belong with God. That's, that's where you should be. That's where you want to be. You want to be with God. That's why God made you. Now, all of us have turned away from God. We've been banished from his presence and we, we live in a world of sin and death and we contribute towards it. But this genealogy tells us that God has made a promise through Abraham. God has made his promise to bless this world. He's made the nation of Israel, as we've seen. He's chosen this nation. And what do we see as we look through Israel's history? Come with me now to Matthew chapter 1. And I want to show you how the New Testament begins. How does the New Testament begin? Matthew chapter 1. It begins with a genealogy. That's interesting, isn't it? It begins with a genealogy and it gives you the history from, um, from Abraham, God's promise. And it takes you up to Jesus. It takes you up to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one 
who completes the mission of Israel. When you read the Gospels, that's what the Gospels are actually about. It's about Jesus coming and whereas Israel failed in the desert for 40 years, Jesus is sinless in the desert for 40 days. And, and so Jesus does what Israel failed to do. Je Jesus is the, the one who completes the mission of Israel. He, he's the one who is the true king. The true king who brings the resurrection, everlasting kingdom of God. He is the true son of God. The one who can truly call God father. He is the true priest. The priest who doesn't just offer up an animal for sin, but offers up his own sinless life. You see, that's who Jesus is. Jesus fits into these genealogies in Chronicles. Those genealogies in Chronicles keep going to him. Jesus is the one who brings us into this, these blessings that God had planned and worked through the nation of Israel. And so I hope you can see that Chronicles is not just a book of obscure names. It, it's a book that assures God's people that even after judgment, his mission remains. That he himself is going to come and bring about the salvation that we need. That he himself has come to us as Christ. He is God with us, who is the true king of Israel, the true priest, offering the true sacrifice. These aren't just any, any names. These are names that lead us to Jesus. Lead us to, to us coming back to where we belong, to being with our great God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak and you give hope. We thank you that to your shattered people, Israel, you gave them the hope of the future and that that came to its fulfillment in Jesus. We thank you that through him you have now spoken to the world the word of salvation, the word of life, the guarantee of forgiveness and life with you. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.